0: Our scene for shame comes from a movie that I hope for your sake that you've seen. This happens to be one of my favorite animated movies and one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. So without further ado, let's take a listen to this scene from the end of The Incredibles. Wait here and stay hidden. I'm going in.
1: While what? I watch helplessly from the sidelines? I don't
0: think so. I'm asking you to wait with the kids. And I'm
1: telling you, not a chance. You're my husband, I'm with you. For better or worse.
0: I have to do this alone.
1: What is this to you?
0: Playtime? No. So you can be Mr. Incredible again? No! Then what? What is it? I'm not... Not what? I'm, I'm not strong enough. Strong enough? And this will make you stronger? Yes. No! That's what this is? Some sort
2: of workout? I can't lose you again!
0: I can't. Not again. I'm not strong enough.
1: If we work together, you won't have to be.
0: I don't know what will happen.
1: Hey, we're superheroes.
0: What can happen? This is some brilliant character work, and for an animated film, no less. In this scene, Bob Parr, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, is for the first time confronting his own limitations. In this moment, he's not Mr. Incredible and she's not Elastigirl, they're Bob and Helen. Bob's quiet admission of weakness, of limitation, is his own attempt to come to grips with his shame. Throughout the course of the film, in the excitement of getting back into superheroing again and saving the world, Bob has to, I guess to borrow a really well known line from later in this scene, Bob has prioritized the greater good over Helen, his greatest good. And it's in this moment, as his family is about to join him in battle, that he's faced with the prospect of losing them, and really losing them this time. And he's ashamed that his own pride and arrogance has jeopardized not only his marriage, but also the fate of all of Metroville. As he slumps his shoulders and hangs his head, Helen reminds him that he doesn't have to be strong enough, not by himself. She helps him to acknowledge his own limitations and set a boundary on what he can expect from himself. And she reminds him that he is more capable than his shame wants him to believe. And from here, our heroes are off to save the city, but they do so with a clearer understanding of their relationship to the conflict and to each other.
2: Welcome to Story Shaped Life, a podcast where we try to help make sense of the stories we believe about ourselves, others, and the world we live in. We're your hosts. I'm Sam. And Ben. This season, we're talking about emotions. We're joined by Emily, a licensed professional counselor who will help us unpack the meaning and motivation behind the way we feel. And now. For the conclusion of the Emotion series, oh our episode on shame. Dun, 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 dun.
1: <laughs> long, long music intro, cinematic yeah, music. The second yeah, intro. A second cinematic, music. yeah. <laughs> it's just the Lord of the Rings theme music.
2: Oh, and it could be playing while we're talking. That's great. I quit.
3: <laughs> just kidding.
2: On a more serious note. This is the last of our emotions in this series. Um, Today we're going to be talking about shame. And to kick us off, Emily, could you give us a definition?
3: Sure. So shame is going to signal to us that we have crossed um, one of our boundaries. And it's going to give us the energy to set boundaries. And to clarify, uh, the difference between um, shame and guilt in this context is... Um, Guilt is more based on that set of actions that we talked about before, standards, and shame is going to be um, more based on our identity. So um, when it comes to boundaries, that's an understanding of who we are as a person. So um, choosing to do something that's even either uh, less than human or more than human. Last week, we talked about a kid who stole a candy bar. If this kid felt guilt, that means that he crossed his own standards. Um, To correct that guilt, he's going to have to go through um, some sort of action that um, appeases the choices that he made. Um, If the same kid feels shame instead, he may start to believe that he's a thief um, and he's going to have to do something completely different to... Um, correct that shame.
2: Yeah, because it becomes a matter of identity at that point. Right. His his identity is now the identity of a thief and correcting someone's identity is a lot harder than correcting just someone's actions. Exactly. Right.
1: So in our definitions here, we're saying that uh, standards has to do with our actions, which is related to guilt, and boundaries has to do with our identity, which is related to shame. Yeah. Right. Great, so before we You know, get too far into this. What are the words that you guys think that we use the most to describe uh, when we're feeling shame? Uh, Because I think shame is another one of those that we don't, we don't tend to use that word. I'm feeling shamed or ashamed right now, but maybe we do, but, but what are the words that we most use for that?
3: Definitely embarrassed. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I know that I just said uh, we don't tend to use the word ashamed, Uh, but I do think it's interesting that we have kind of, um, the vestiges of some phrases in -hmm. terms. Like I think that the word was used more previously than it is now, right? Like the whole like, aren't you ashamed? Mm -hmm. Or you should be ashamed of yourself. Right. Like we, those are somewhere in English vernacular, though not currently. Like it's something our grandparents might say. Right. You know? Um, So there is kind of some space for it. It's just kind of old uh, for the specific use of the word shame or ashamed
2: yeah now I feel like you would use more words like disappointed yes yeah, um, yeah. upset mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of substitutes for words like sad or angry angry at myself that's a common one mm-hmm. let down yeah that's a common yeah one.
3: um I think this one's gonna come a lot with tone like you could say just like really upset with you and it's angry, right but, like this disappointed tone of like I'm just really upset with you like yeah that communicates mm-hmm. I'm like looking down on you I'm like disappointed and not angry mm-hmm. like you're trying to belittle the person by saying you're upset with them instead of just communicate your anger and that that's probably going to be more tied to shame
1: yeah I guess when we're talking about shame other people shame or things that people other people have done things like saying things like I just expected more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of uh, communicate that same same idea.
2: I think there's a plethora of phrases since it's so tied into identity. Yeah.
1: Right. That we use to try to kind of get at people like.
2: Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. This is
1: more than just you did something.
2: Exactly.
1: This says something about you. Yeah. I think a big one uh, that Em and I have talked a lot about is the word disgust, um, which is a funny word because we tend to think about it as like things that are disgusting, like foods or smells or right and and you could draw a line from that to shame but more specifically i'm thinking of things that i don't know like violent crimes or right like things that human beings do to other human beings that we just find appalling Mm -hmm. appalling right like that that sense of disgust that's like oh no that's no 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 that's not okay
3: right
1: uh i think that sense of disgust carries a lot of what we're talking about with the idea of shame.
2: Mm-hmm. And disgust specifically makes me think a lot about how there's a sense of shame that we feel about ourselves and others, That it kind of, kind of goes both ways. And I don't know if Emily, you could expand on that a little bit more, what that looks like.
3: Well, there are definitely choices that should make us feel disgusted or ashamed of ourselves. Um, there. It's also a, a form of, of toxic shame um, where we see ourselves as less than human when we don't deserve to. So things like, um, I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. Um, and then there's the flip side of that, that we see ourselves as more than human. Um, but usually that's connected to an anxious state of knowing that you're not actually more than human. Um, so this is going to be the drive to be perfect, to always perform, to produce as much as possible, um, keep you on that hamster wheel going, going, going. Um, but it's all driven by shame. Um, so anytime that we are trying to either be more than human or see ourselves as less than human, um, that's probably a, red flag that we're experiencing an unhealthy side of shame
2: yeah that ties in really well to kind of our ongoing conversation about culture because in that sense of shame we're starting to get into what is a lot of these boundaries that are almost imposed on us mm-hmm. by by culture and society yeah and a lot of boundaries that may that we may impose on others mm-hmm. because there there's that's the two sides mm-hmm. of shame Um, what are some sides, what are some ways that you both, what are some examples that you can think of, of shame being part of culture not just the, the individual?
3: Mm. I think there is a succeeding in your job or giving your life to your job or, um, like busyness in your job that's supposed to give you value, um, that keeps us in this rat race. Um, People are um, trying to live into that superhuman, doing more than they actually can, um, jamming their schedules full uh, with more hours than actually exist in a day, um, trying to find that value, that identity, when really um, there's contentment in just being human, not trying to be more than human.
1: Yeah, I see that a lot in just the kind of hustle culture, this idea of, man, you know, how you doing? Oh, man, just just hustling, just making it work. There's no value. And I think when we talk about shame, we're going to inadvertently talk a lot about value and the things that our culture gives value to. But uh, there's no, I don't hear anybody really, giving a lot of value to like, you know, I'm just doing my thing every day as, uh, as best I can. And then I, and then I let it go. And then that's, that's just as much as I can do. And then I go home and I, you know, hang out with my family or what, you know, there's no sense of like a steady pace. It's like, if you're not going a hundred miles an hour, you're not really trying. And that's just not true at all. So you're failing it, Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. It, it doesn't the word uh, Emily you used earlier, a phrase is human limitation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't right. take in consideration human limitation yeah. and right. the fact that human limitation changes from person to person. Yes, which is super important to think about. You cannot set standards to big groups of people because that just doesn't work that way. Right, because everyone's different in in what their limitations may be. Yep.
1: But there's even it seems like there's even something wrong with recognizing limitation at all, which I, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, but exactly. That's, that's the scary part. It's yeah. like to.
3: People do not want to admit that they're limited.
1: Right. And we actively value people who are ignoring limitation. Right.
2: And now I'm very careful. I'm going to use a lot of phrases that cover a lot of people. But I want to make it clear before I say that, that I don't believe that this happens in everyone. But I have noticed, especially in younger people, um, that we are masking a lack of passion for what we do with busyness. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people, like you said, like on the grind, working jobs they're not interested in. And even if they're not busy, they are making themselves appear busy Mm. because they don't feel fulfilled with what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So what that means is there's a sense of identity is not met. Yeah. Because they aren't doing something they're passionate about. And therefore, they have to compensate with, oh, my identity is actually in the amount of things I'm doing, Mm. not in what I'm doing.
3: Wow. That's good.
2: And the important thing that I think we need to start realizing is I mean, this sounds kind of dumb, but finding one's passion helps you guide your own human limitations. Yeah. Because you find your fulfillment not in the amount of things you're doing, not in compensating, but in what you're actually doing. Yeah. And piggybacking off of that, I think
1: another big topic or issue. Uh, that comes up when we're talking about shame is this idea of uh, it's not okay to be in progress. Hmm. So it is essentially kind of like shameful to not be complete or to have yeah. arrived. Yep. So that's, again, this idea of like we be, we're busy and we do all these things. Instead of like, hey, I'm freaking 21 years old, uh, I'll my new job. It's not everything I thought. That's okay. Like that's normal. That's kind of how it happens, and and we learn about ourselves, and we discover things that we actually like and didn't like, and things that we're actually good at and not right. Like that process is no longer acceptable uh, in a lot of circles, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot of this has probably has to do with social media and, and how we're supposed to present ourselves and whatever. But the the circles that we have for saying, you know what, I'm in progress. I discovered this about myself. That means I'm going to have to figure out some other stuff and make some changes.
2: Uh, those are getting smaller and smaller for a lot of us. Yeah. And I would connect that not just to the work environment, but also to em- emotional development. Totally. Absolutely. So I've, I've ran in or had so many situations of people who don't feel like they can process emotionally some situations because it it's messed with their identity. Mm-hmm. Because people around them are like, oh, you're a sad person, mm-hmm. or you must be depressed, or you must be this and that. Mm-hmm. And it inhibits them from properly processing that within their human limitation. Yeah, Because yeah. they means- feel shame for exactly. their emotions. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big thing. I that, And we've talked about this culture before with mm-hmm. almost all the negative emotions, I mm-hmm. guess, of the sense of like, you have to get over it. Mm-hmm. Keep moving. Yeah. Keep grinding. Keep doing what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. You can't get stuck in that. And it's like everyone's boundary and limitation is different. Yeah. so then processing that and it it starts to get into shame because Mm -hmm. it starts to get into, oh, you haven't gotten over that. You must be a sad person.
3: Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting that both of you are talking about passion, likes, dislikes, um, habits, like figuring yourself out pretty much, um, which goes back to identity um, and, what we're talking about with boundaries right like when we identify what our boundaries are when we know our own limits when we know our own passions our likes our dislikes what's okay with us what's not okay with us that actually gives us more of who we are so where it it can seem like we're limiting ourselves um we're actually identifying ourselves and yeah. it, it's really good and healthy and um um you know gives us understanding instead of what we think as um, a a thing that's going to take something away from us.
2: Yeah. And the flip side, I guess, bringing it back to the personal Mm -hmm. is shame. That sense of shame is going to keep you from changing who you are or your identity. Yeah. So when we're talking about the kind of person we want to be with the boundaries we want to have, if we feel shame, that keeps us from doing that. Right. You know, if a, Person who robbed once, the the kid who stole the candy bar, mm-hmm. now thinks he's a thief. He's going to continue stealing, right? Because he's just now decided that that's part of his identity, right? And it prevents him from really changing, right? And that's where it, it kind of gets really dicey and gets really hard to to process or manage. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to pick up on this as much as
1: I want to now, but I, I think there's something important here about when we're talking about shame and culture. Uh, and that is the idea of honoring culture
0: mm.
1: um so what are the things that we value or honor right or esteem whatever um, in society that that we think are worth chasing after or becoming mm. and and looking at those things and the things that are left out of those uh podiums platforms I don't know whatever analogy you kind of want to come up with those spaces right those things that that quickly those things quickly become the quote shameful in our culture and some of those are good right like and appropriate and are hopefully changing in our culture right where it was acceptable and good to treat uh, people of a different skin color right uh, poorly now as a culture we're saying like no 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 we do not honor or accept this we think it is shameful or wrong to see somebody that looks different from us as less than human, right? So hopefully we're seeing some of those change, but there are a lot of things still missing when you look at uh, who's at the quote honor table, yeah. maybe if you want to put it that way, right? Uh, um, Man, we could, we could just go into so many things, um, but here's one that we've talked about before um, that I'll go with, and that is, whew, okay, you guys stop me if this isn't one that we should get into. Okay. But here's one that I think we've talked a little bit about before that maybe will provide a good example, and that is um, the description or the the, the exemplification of gender uh, for men and women. So at the honor table, quote unquote, now I'm using this analogy, we have strong, rough men are allowed at the table. Mm-hmm. We have delicate, sweet quiet, usually women, Uh, again, for our listeners, like we live in, in the South, in the U S. So I'm talking about a very specific cultural environment here that I recognize that is not everywhere, but, and, and that a lot of those things are even changing in our cultural context. So, but this is kind of the history of who's allowed at the honor table. Therefore, those men and women that are different from those typologies. uh, And if you are that way, I'm not trying to shame you either. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to take you away from the table. I'm just saying there are others that haven't been allowed to, at the quote this honor table, uh, and therefore they're considered shameful, and therefore that person can experience shame for being that way. You're you with me? Does yeah. it, does yeah. the analogy make sense? Yeah, yes. Sense. Um, and so I think that's where it's interesting is is not um, who are we pointing fingers at? And we're like, oh my gosh, you're you're whatever. There can also be a sense of shame of like who have we not brought into mm-hmm. the space of like no 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 you're, that's good keep 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 shooting for that thing
2: that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, it makes me think of the, the amount of internal battle some people, including myself, go through on a daily basis because their passions, their identity pushes towards a certain direction in what would be considered their ideal or where their boundaries lie. And then there's this opposing wave of culture mm-hmm. saying, no, these are actually the boundaries that you want. Mm-hmm. And it's that that internal, but like I don't match that standard. Yeah, that really brings on a lot of shame.
3: Yep,
1: I think a great example of this is Emma and I just went and watched Little Women, which, by the way, is a fantastic film in our opinion. It was very very good. Uh, as a male <laughs> dad husband, I was extremely inspired uh, for all, like by this m- movie. And there's a moment in this movie where Meg, who's the eldest of these four sisters, Um, She's about to get married and Joe, one of the middle sisters is kind of pacing around the room and she gets kind of agitated and and tells Meg, like, we can leave. We can, we can just, we can, we can go, we can, you don't have to do this, you know? And, and she kind of explains basically, at one, you know, she's just upset because she feels like she's losing Meg and, and her sister and Meg turns to her and is like, you know, just because my dreams are different than yours, um, doesn't make them wrong.
3: Unimportant. Unimportant,
1: right. And I love that phrase because that's that's the idea. I think a lot of us in society, we have a fear that if we let other people at the honor table, right, like that we will lose ours in some way, right? Yeah. And so we shame others. It's this whole thing that Em's talking about with being superhuman and subhuman. A lot of us have set ourselves up as superhuman and the way to do that the easy way to do that is to make other people subhuman. Yeah. Right. And so we exclude people. We shame other people for the sake of honoring ourselves, not recognizing that honor doesn't necessitate shaming others, right? Like you don't have to make other people feel shame for you to feel like what you're doing is valuable. Um, anyway, and I, that just came to mind because we watched the movie yesterday and I think that's a really powerful, powerful
2: scene. There is a quote, um, it's a book called Principle of the Path, and it's something I like to remind myself a lot of. Um, but it says that your actions define your direction, your direction defines your destination. And so what the point it's trying to make is there's a direct relationship between the actions that we do in our present and where we want to get to. Mm. And where that ties in is if we feel pressure to do actions that we don't necessarily want to do, it's going to take us in a direction that doesn't feel like us. Mm -hmm. It's going to take us in a direction that's outside of our boundaries. Yep. And it's going to bring a lot of shame.
3: Yeah. So then if we're following that direction, um, if we're making a lot of choices based in shame, based in um, thinking of ourselves as less than, or um, what we're actually passionate about not being valuable, um, I think that's where we end up in um, abusive relationships. In position at jo- at a job where we haven't had a promotion in twenty years, in just situations that we're disrespected and we keep putting up with it, and you know the list goes on.
1: Yeah, just because we've come to believe that that's all we're worth, basically. Exactly, because somebody else said so.
3: So almost everything that we've talked about so far is in the context of toxic shame. So um, just a reminder of what healthy shame actually is um when we're listening to it um it's going to tell us what our limits actually are um uh, it's going to help us um unpack our identity um and and tell us what we're passionate about tell us um you know the, the
2: who we want to be right yeah and it and tied into that the advice to people is once you start identifying that, take the actions right. that will take you in the right direction, that'll take you to the destination that you want. Yep. But it really requires, okay, realize it, now take action mm-hmm. to move in that direction. Mm-hmm.
1: And often I think the healthy side of shame, not always, but often can uh, we can feel it before the action occurs, right? That's That sense of like, do I, do I really want to do this? Uh, is it can often be healthy shame, kind of checking us like, "Hey, hey, uh, this is this is something that's on your list of things that that are not a part of who you really want to be." So, are you sure you want to do that? Um, Again, yeah, not always, but I think that's one that a lot of us have felt where you're like, "I don't know." You know, you imagine the the quintessential you know '50s movie, Leave It to Beaver. You know, his friends are like throw the throw the rock through the window. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And it's like that, that's that feeling of like, mm-hmm. yeah, but this
2: isn't who I am. Like I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting dragged into something that's not really like part of me. And one more pressing question that I guess is on my mind is when that, I guess, toxic shame is present. What does healing look like?
3: Yeah, Um. so healing from shame is a, pretty involved process. Um, So I don't want to um, talk about this lightly. It's not just a one conversation thing. Like once you've heard from one person that you actually have what it takes, then all of a sudden the shame just falls off. Um, Usually when we're dealing with toxic shame, it has been years of messages um, from our parents, culture, our peers, whatever um, that has made us believe these negative things about ourselves. Um, So um uh, I'll preface this with that. But um, the only way that we actually heal from shame is to expose it. So if we're going back to that um, little boy stealing the candy bar. When he tells someone, um, I feel like a thief, and they're able to say, whoa, wait, that was just one choice that you made. We're going to take care of it. You don't have to keep like behaving in that way. I, I've never seen you as a thief, or maybe I made the same mistake when I was your age. Um, suddenly those thoughts about himself start to melt away and he can he can see himself in a new light. Um, but the really tricky part is shame at its core tells us to keep the things that we're ashamed of a secret um, because if people only knew, then they would see me as less than human just like I see myself as less than human. Yeah. So we have to push against everything that shame tells us to do, and it's a very—it's an uphill battle um, to actually open your mouth and share those things. Um, but once you do, if if you're sharing that with a safe person, um, usually the shame has to flee because there's no room for it.
2: Wow, that's good.
1: Yeah, and this goes back to something that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, and that is the importance of having those safe circles, right? Those relationships where you can tell those stories because uh, it is incredibly powerful to, to to tell your story to somebody or tell a story to somebody that that has for years uh, elicited shame and then for the person across from you to say like, yeah, oh man, yeah, that, that happened to me when I was 12 too, you know, or whatever. And that, it doesn't minimize our emotion, but it does suddenly like, draw it out into the world in a way that we're like, Oh, so that's like a normal thing for people to figure mm-hmm. out and do. Di- right. and, stif- and again, back to the idea of process, like, Oh, so like being in process or making mistakes as we're trying to grow up and become who we want to be is normal. Oh, dang. You know? And so anyway, just a, a reiteration of, um, our encouragement to find those people with whom you can share, um, everything with and some not all at once. <laughs> um, some of you will be tempted, uh, but it's just that mm-hmm. you have the space to, to work things out as they come up.
2: Speaking of people to share things with, to wrap this up, we <laughs> want you to share with us. Nice. That was good. Um, But seriously, we would love, this is our last emotion that we're going to be talking about in the series. And the next episode is actually going to be a and a with a lot of counselors. A lot of people who know um, we think, we think, <laughs> uh, we hope, Yes, but we want to hear your questions about any of these emotions, specifically today, if you have something about shame that you really, we didn't touch on, or you just have a question or a concern, or you see it playing out a certain way and you would like us to unpack that, please let us know. You can email us at storyshapelife at gmail.com, message us on Instagram at storyshapelife. Any way you want to contact us is totally fine. We would love for you to do that.
1: Also, if you have words that you use uh, as you're listening to this uh, episode and you realize that there are certain words that you use to describe um, shame and the feeling of shame, we would love to hear those. We're putting a little tool together for you guys and yeah so same thing you can email us you can send us a message whatever and just let us know what are those words or if one of the ones that we said is like oh that's the one i use all the time like let us know because we want to make sure to put that one in there so
2: and all our movie references today made me think of another podcast that i enjoy listening to which is the podcast from two chunks in a hunk which big shout out to them um for their intros in our episodes it's been such a pleasure to have them be a part of this season and they've added so much um with those segments so we appreciate them a lot go check out their podcast it will be worth your time uh thanks so much um,
1: again guys for listening if you uh think about it review us on itunes we like hardly ever say that yeah please subscribe uh, yeah yeah, and yeah like the and things the podcast us. things do podcast things for us uh, a
2: lot of you have done it without even us which is pushing. amazing so thank you yeah. to those and those who haven't anytime i go in
1: and i see where we have more reviews i'm like oh we didn't even ask for those but we're asking now so anyway we'll see you guys next week bye